Hey everyone, welcome to the Sliving with Sickle Cell podcast. My name is Barbara Biosa and I am a sickle cell warrior, CEO and fashion designer of luxury women's wear clothing brand Dimabai and founder of the Gideon's Treasure Foundation and I am your host today. From the Queen Paris Hilton, sliving means slaying and living your best life. We all deserve to do this. I'm here to bring you all the fabulous tales, the struggles and the triumphs of living with sickle cell anemia and running a business with a disability. There has been many highs and many lows, but I think it's important to share your stories and journey. We will be discussing some important topics and inviting some amazing guest speakers to share their experiences and their journey. This podcast is dedicated to help spread awareness of sickle cell anemia, uplift and build a community of ambitious people who may have a physical or emotional challenges that make being an entrepreneur or following your dreams that much harder. Hey everyone, so I'm so excited for today's episode. We have a very special guest, um, Miss Khadija. She is an author, a journalist, and she's also my friend and she's fabulous. I'm so excited for her to be on this show. <laughs> um, so please, uh, welcome and uh, thank you for joining me. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for inviting me on. I feel like a uh, very inspired by this movement that you have here oh, thank you so much <laughs> yeah. and okay so please start by telling me a bit about yourself and your background I think it's so important to kind of get to know someone a little bit more about like um so I am from Wisconsin Milwaukee Wisconsin which is uh right underneath Canada um an hour away from Chicago okay. Uh, it's one of the flyover states, so there you won't you you won't really find many people who are mm-hmm. from Wisconsin traveling. <laughs> uh, I decided to uh, move to California from Wisconsin, and then I think my life started when I decided to leave from home. Mm-hmm. Um, I moved with my son, who's now he's going to be twelve next wow. month, and I decided to. She looks twelve. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's taller than me now, oh, so wow. yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting. I don't I don't think you ever get used to the fact that your your child is growing like yeah. wow, before your eyes, you know, mm-hmm. eventually they'll be an adult. Um, but yeah, he's he's been on my journey with me since I was 17 years old. Oh, um we've traveled and lived in many different places and and now I'm here. Oh, uh, I love that. <laughs> She's yeah. across the pond, yeah. <laughs> taking the big leap. <laughs> and um, so tell me a bit about like that dynamic and like moving here and um, how that journey was and what was the like main decision for that? I think the, the main decision for me moving was I just wanted to do something different, mm-hmm. you know, just being in Milwaukee and, and not really seeing the things that um, I th- I think I needed to see certain types of people yeah. to motivate me, which is why I moved to California. And then you see it is very entrepreneurial mm-hmm. people, yeah. business oriented, or uh, they want to travel. Um, yeah. I think my life would have turned out very differently if I didn't move out of Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Would you say Wisconsin is like a small town or they don't have that in in America, is it is it like a still massive state, but like small town mentality? Uh, yeah, <clears throat> small town mentality. Yes and no, because it's still it's still a, a northern state, mm-hmm. so you're gonna have more, I guess, business oriented people mm-hmm. because okay. we're closer to Chicago and New okay, York, yeah. and but there's still like a lack of um, motivation. I would uh, say so. You yeah. have you have some people who are willing to go ahead and start businesses, mm-hmm. but they're not really like motivating others to do the same. So it's just like yeah, a few little peas in a pod, you know, yeah, <laughs> going yeah. out and doing something. Um, and I think that's the challenging part because yeah. you see people doing the same thing your whole life, whether it's uh, rapping. <laughs> You know, like singing or something. It's kind of hard to get your mindset out of, oh, the only thing I could become is an athlete or a singer or a rapper. 
you have to find your own skills and your own talent when you come from cities like that. I wouldn't necessarily say it's a small city. Yeah. Um, but just it just lacks like diversity when it comes to careers. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> America. Now yeah. <laughs> Would you recommend me coming? Is it a place that you'd be like, you must visit? No, it's like, (laughs) I would, no, it's, I would, I would more so say, hey, if you're in Chicago, stop in Wisconsin just to to get a look, you know, see how it is. Um, But it's not really somewhere that you have to go see. Mm. Like you won't miss out on anything if you don't go visit Wisconsin. I know I have cousins in uh, Vermont and the year before I studied in New York, we went to visit. Mm-hmm. So, cause I was like, we, so they came to visit us like when I was 12 and then years later, when I was 18, we went to New York cause they were oh, it's yeah. East coast and then they live in Vermont. So we went to Vermont. I remember it being like, super quiet super mm. small but then they had like the famous Ben and Jerry's factory oh, and that was like yeah, I guess yeah. the only way they got like tourists mm-hmm. in are you familiar with Vermont Vermont oh no I mean I know Ben and Jerry's but not <laughs> <laughs> not Vermont I feel like it's another one of those flyover states where it's just like you only know what's happening there if you decide to to go to the city and visit it yeah. you know like yeah <laughs> Um, and I know one of the, when I told you that I had sickle cell mm-hmm. and you told me that you had trait, mm-hmm. is this something you've known for a very long time or is this like a new development? Cause I know my sister recently found out cause mm-hmm. she thought that they, they both thought that my brother and my sister didn't have, they had just the AA, mm-hmm. but then recently she found out she had the trait too. Mm-hmm. Is this something that you've always known or you've... Yeah. Um, my mom actually told me when I was a little girl that I mm-hmm. had the sickle cell trait. And I think it came from my father's side of the, okay, the family. Yeah. Um, I think I don't really know much about the sickle cell trait, but I do have family members who have sickle mm-hmm. cell. Yeah. And it's really hard. Yeah. It's a, it's really hard to see your family's going through that. So yeah. I, I understand the importance of just like, putting the information out there, letting people aware of, of what this, this, uh, disease can do to your loved ones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I know I had a, um, I was discussing with my sister yesterday and we we're talking about what was it from her point of view? Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of people don't know that it's also like the family around you that yeah. can be affected as well. Mm-hmm. And with you, has there been any kind of, have you been infe- affected by it in any way in terms of personally for you with Trey or like with, you know, f- finding a partner, getting married or anything mm-hmm. like that? Has that ever been? Um, so when I had my son, you know, I had my son really early, um, that one of the things they wanted to make sure that he didn't have was sickle cell because I had the trait. So we had to test his father and if his father had, you know, the trait, then he would have sickle cell. So fortunately he, he doesn't have it and his father doesn't have the trait. Um, but yeah, I think they, they make you aware of it. They, they really make you yeah. aware of the situation. They tell you about the partners that you need to look out for. Yeah. Um, and it's not necessarily looking out. It's just like, be aware of, of the circumstances because you could find someone with a trait and then give your child sickle cell. Yeah. And know? I wouldn't wish that on anybody because I'm like, even though I feel like, I, okay, I'm, I'm thriving, I'm living, but it's still like those times in hospital, I wouldn't want my child to go through that or anyone else. Yeah. So it's just so important. I remember when I, cause it also affects like people from Mediterranean background. Mm. I remember a few years ago, I was dating a Greek guy and I was just, I had like my, yearly checkups with my doctor and she was like okay what's happening sometimes when you get to a certain age they start asking you about like love life or like oh. is there anyone like because of like pregnancy and sickle cell can be like high risk and I remember saying oh I'm dating a guy and she asked like what was his background and I said Greek and she was like he would if you get serious he would have to be t- tested because they get like telesemia I don't know if you've heard of that it's like a part of sickle cell but that goes to like Mediterranean backgrounds and so that kind of made me wow. conscious I was like oh you have to even if you're thinking oh they're not African mm. there's like a sense where it's like oh like if they're Mediterranean that could be a possibility so it's just like having that at the back of the mind but um yeah um tell me more about um your journey with like 
motherhood and then moving to London and how it's been the last few. When did you come here? Okay, so the decision to move to London happened right after uh, undergrad. So I got my undergrad degree during the pandemic, 2020. Oh. And <laughs> I remember just being in this position. I was driving back and forth. Uh, you can look up Death Valley on, on the map. This is where I was living in, in California. <laughs> I was driving back and forth from Death Valley to San Diego every single day for work. Oh, my gosh. And it really hit me. I was like, man, if I don't find something... Uh, with this bachelor's degree, then this is how the rest of my life is going to be. Yeah. Like, I, or that's that's how I was thinking. I, I don't I don't know what the rest yeah. of my life would have been like, but that's what I had been doing for the past two years, and it was exhausting. Mm-hmm. I barely had any energy to play with my son because yeah. I'm like driving two hours back and forth every day, and um, it just hit me like I have to do something. Yeah. I have to do something different and. And I knew I wanted to get my master. So I was like, oh, how can I do this? What what could set me um, apart from mm-hmm. other women who are thinking the same way? And then I, I immediately hit me, go to school in, in, in England. Yeah. And um, so did you choose the university before you kind of came here and then were figuring out? I, I had an option in between five universities. So I actually got accepted into a university in Oxford, Oxford Brooks. Mm, So uh, my eyes were set on Oxford, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and when the pandemic hit and the lockdowns in London's hit, I I was just like, do I want to be that far away from an airport? You know? Oh, yeah. So I chose the second option, which was SOAS, University Mm -hmm. of London. So. I did my master's there and that took a lot. I mean, but I feel like if I didn't go to uh, SOAS, I wouldn't have picked up my skills, my freelance writing skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. And SOAS is really good university. And how was that journey? And then, you know, elaborate what the writing skill. Oh my God. <laughs> so I think... I was sent there for sure for a reason. I immediately figured, hey, you know, since I have an undergrad, I I double majored in in undergrad. So I have a criminal justice degree and um, business administration. Okay. Originally, oh, so like, <laughs> like, is it because part of you is like, I want to do law, and then the other part is like, I want to do business. Yeah, was that, was that the? <laughs> I'm gonna say like, okay, the one who was the motivator for me choosing those two degrees uh, was Queen Latifah. Uh-huh. I don't know. <laughs> I love her movies. Yeah, I, I mean, I watched her movie. I think it was the movie with Common, uh, Just Right. Just Right. I think it sounds familiar. And she what? was like a sports therapist or something like that or um, a sports manager. Mm-hmm. And she had like very humble beginnings and um, she just worked really hard to to just continue on that path and became mm-hmm. like very rich eventually doing this <laughs> doing this uh career path. So I was like, huh, I really want to I really want to do something like that because I liked sports. Yeah. Uh I like the idea of, you know, meeting athletes and things like that. So I was like, huh, maybe sports law. I could okay. be a sports lawyer or a sports management yeah. uh, manager. So that's why I chose business mm-hmm. and law. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but after after receiving that bachelor's, I remember Georgetown reached out to me and was like, hey, come do your master's here Ooh. at our school. Wow, that's amazing. So I, I did. I had options yeah, yeah. Uh, before choosing London, but I was just like, what? It's going to set me apart from the competition here. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, have the same thing on my resume that other people have. Yeah. So that's why I was like, hey, I'm going to go to London. And also, my son is is watching me do everything. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted him to, like, always remember my mom went after her dreams. Yeah. I, I'm not the one who stopped my mom from going after her dreams. I watched my mom go after her dreams, which means that I can go after mine. Yeah. You know? So good. So, so. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to be the role model. Yeah, I have to. Because I have to take that that role, that responsibility, because his father decided not to. 
mm-hmm. know, so I had to take the full responsibility for everything in his life. <laughs> so, and I, and I yeah. think it's so important because it's like, you don't want to regret after and have that, not resentment, because I don't think it would be resentment, but I think it would be more like, it's just showing a good message to your child, like that I'm going to... and ultimately give him a better life. I think yeah. that's, yeah, that would be the ultimate goal. Yeah. That was the ultimate goal. I just, I just wanted to be able to give my son a better life without depending on another man or depending on a family member. I'm like, let me equip myself with the tools that I need mm-hmm. to be this person for him and for myself. Yeah. You know, um, because I didn't take an easy path. I didn't go the traditional route for yeah. a human being. I would say, <laughs> Um, so yeah, I have, I have to do like non-traditional things and sometimes it is hard. Sometimes it's very lonely. Sometimes you don't, you know, you can't really relay your message to people because they don't understand. Yeah. I think society has, has put like a lot of pressure on women to, to choose one or the other. You're going to choose motherhood. Or you're gonna choose your the career. career. Yeah, it's you so know? true. And you're like, um, I can do it both. Like, yeah. <laughs> and why can't so true, yeah. Why can't I just choose motherhood and, yeah. and not have to worry about a career? You should you should be able to choose either one or the other. And yeah. And I, I, I feel like I, I wasn't really given the option because of the um decisions mm-hmm. that I made in my life. Yeah. So I kinda have to just put myself in a position where I can just take care of myself and my son. So yeah. that's kind of why I am here. <laughs> yeah. And so um, do you think like, was that quite diff- leaving? Was that like very difficult for oh, you? Oh girl. Yeah. I, you know, the first, the, when, when, when we had this plan to, for me to go to school, everything was normal. Mm-hmm. There was no pandemic happening. Yeah. You, there, there, um, there was a like lockdown in the U.S., but it it wasn't like a global phenomenon thing. Yeah. There, it wasn't like oh, the entire world is about to shut down for the next two years. So we had yeah. no idea. Okay, We're just gonna, yeah, we didn't know what was gonna happen. Would would that have like changed your? Yeah, if I knew that, I basically I, I would have been physically unable to visit my family while living in another country for however long due to a pandemic, I think, yeah, I probably would have not gone, you know, but this, this process has also, um, I've grown as a woman. I've grown as a woman because I was very sheltered growing up, just growing up in a Islamic family. You're very sheltered. You're, I didn't realize that I haven't really, um, a lot of friends outside of my family until I became an adult. Uh, because, yeah. <laughs> because I have I have eight siblings. I have uh, you're like, who needs 30, 30 something nieces and nephews. So I was like I had friends but I didn't realize like wow I kind of grew up with my cousins. Yeah. I didn't realize that until I, you know, moved here. To another thing. And I think, yeah, that's, I, yeah, I think that's incredible because it, it really allows you to be independent, mm-hmm. like fully independent. Like I know when I went to study in New York, mm. that was like, and especially with like my health condition, I think my mom, my mom is scared anyway, even for mm. all my siblings. She's just like very scared. Like even now my brother, he's like the oldest. She'll still call him when like he's out. Like, yeah. where are you? Why haven't you picked up your phone? And like, she'll call us. He yeah. hasn't picked up his phone and he's like an adult. Yeah. an adult. So she's always very protective. Mm-hmm. So with me, because it was like, I had the health condition on top of her already fears. It was even worse. Like, but the fact that she allowed me to do that at 19, it kind of made a big difference because mm-hmm. I got to really be my own and be, yep. so I always loved fashion and, um, 
I did rely on my family and my siblings a lot, but like being in that other city with a different culture, it mm, really makes yeah, a difference. And you get really to really does. love like the different types of people there are in the world. And like mm. you, it's, yeah, I think it really builds character. Yeah. Cause yeah. when you leave home and then you less, you moved country. So yeah. I, continents, you moved continents. Yeah. So I know exactly what you were going through. You're, it's like, it's, it's yeah. a complete culture yeah. shock. It really, like, <laughs> big shock. You know, I, when I, my first few days in New York, yeah. it felt like, because I, I had cousins who are American and they visited last night and I came, yeah. but actually living there, it felt like I was in a movie because the Seriously. Accents, you're not used to hearing these accents on an everyday basic. And like, I would hear girls talking and I'd just be like, whoa. Mm-hmm. Like, it yeah. felt like, what, like just reality TV like show that, or like, something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, where am I? <laughs> I'm like, yeah. they really talk like this. No, no no, seriously, seriously. Uh, I think I understand what you mean with the culture shock. I think the 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 main difference for me was like meeting countries mm-hmm. or um, cultures yeah. that you just would never come across yeah. in the U.S., especially not in, in Wisconsin. Yeah. So when I met my first Israeli, I was like, so shocked. I was like, wow. For one, he had curly hair. I had this picture of this, like, the, the, just the picture of, of a Israeli I had in my mind was not this guy. So it yeah. was just really nice to meet him. And I had the falafel for the first time. Yeah. So. <laughs> It was like a big culture shock for me. And I think it's so good because it eliminates kind of ignorance. Because I feel like most people who are Mm -hmm. probably still ignorant at adult age is because they haven't not even just traveled, but lived in different countries and seen different cultures. Because I remember when I visited LA, because my sister was living there. Mm -hmm. um, There's not. So I think now more like Latinos and Hispanics are coming to um, the UK but before oh. growing up there wasn't you, yeah. you never saw them because I guess mm. like with, with California there's a huge yeah it's basically huge. Mexico huge yeah. and so for me it was like the first time ever seeing like like a Latin American Latin American yeah. person and I was like that was like whoa and so it kind of made me feel because you know like in there's certain place areas in the world where and even America where there's it's all like there's no black people and then people yeah. are like, like I went to China for a school competition oh. and um, so five students were chosen from our graduate collection to showcase at like Shanghai Fashion Week and then oh, we went there okay. and I remember it was like me and my French friend who was white and this guy, the Chinese guy came up and was like, took a picture of us. Like, can I take a, like we were celebrities because he had never seen, I guess it was like seeing both a white and a, cause it was a smaller town one hour from Shanghai mm. where the competition was, it was called Xiaoxing. And that, and then at first you'll be like, oh my God, this is so like ignorant. How can yeah, you be taking a picture yeah. of like, we're not celebrities, but actually going to see, remembering my experience of being in LA and obviously I wouldn't go and take a picture, yeah. but just knowing that like, I was a bit fascinated because I've never seen them in real life. Yeah. So it was just like, oh, you kind of understand a little bit because mm. you're like, oh, like if you're never around it, it mm-hmm. can be something new, even though you shouldn't take pictures and I go... <laughs> I, honestly, I don't know how I'd react to that. We I posed. might just, yeah, you we, know, we posed. Right. Like, we made his day. I think this is yeah. the first time he saw a black and a white person together. That <laughs> so is just like, amazing. Yeah, yeah. but um, and even like. Because it was a smaller town, it was one hour from Shanghai. I remember, like, even when we went to the mall, there was like girls, there, younger girls who were like, "Wow!" They came up to and were like, "So beautiful!" Wow. And we we're just like, <laughs> "Yeah." Cute. And it's it's funny because, like, That's I guess odd, yeah. with cultures, like we don't do that when we don't when we've seen someone for the first time. Mm. But then we've also kind of grown up in places that are quite diverse. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, but it's so funny how the world is. Like you're just like, but oh, this is this is what I mean by living on different continents like that was an entirely different continent a different type of way of life they eat food differently they worship uh their their gods differently and so what i don't think people understand the magnitude of what you and i actually did this is not something that many people get a chance to do in their lifetimes you don't get to move continents you know (laughs) people who actually in this lifetime or in their lifetime, get the chance to move continents. It's like very eye-opening and um, you can teach a lot of people back home or where you're from about this experience. Yeah. It's yeah. just, 
And uh, I, I have a lot of respect for people who choose to do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like they call it the ex- expat. And even oh. like being back in London. So I lived in New York and then I lived in Paris for a few years. And coming back to London, even though London is like a, a big city, it's a great city. And it's a city that even when I lived in Paris, people were like, what are you doing here? We love London. And I was like, but then when you're in London and you're a British person, you see a French person, you'd be like, "We, I love Paris. What are you mm. doing? But for me, it's always like, I do sometimes miss that X fat thing of like being in a city where it's not where you're from. Yeah. And then like just navigating uh, and it's, ex- mm. it's so exciting. I love it. But the thing I do like about London is that even though I'm not an expat because I was born here, it does feel good because there's so many different cult- mm-hmm. people from different, like even how we met, like yeah. the fact that you're from Wisconsin is like, wow, That's I right. have a, yeah. <laughs> so a lot of my friends are from different parts of the world because yeah. Of how diverse London is mm-hmm. So I still kind of get that like expat feeling mm-hmm. Even though like technically I'm like Oh I'm back in my hometown <laughs> I'm back in my hometown Yeah so you know how uh, we set up Well I uh, we have the group chat yeah, And yeah. I set up karaoke And yeah, so <laughs> I was talking to someone about it yesterday Like oh I'm gonna go probably karaoke with uh, some girls And mm-hmm. then he was like Oh where are they from And I'm like Oh, oh the, all, the world yeah. The world all over <laughs> really that group yeah. of girls literally all around the world yeah so I, I, I agree that's that's the good thing about London it's so true <laughs> no it's great I love it and I yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's what the, the appeal of like kind of being an entrepreneur or mm. like starting a venture or something like that because it does gives you that opportunity like I know like some all most of the models I worked for are not mm. from London like there may be that one or two would be like actual British but a lot of the models are from Russia they're mm. from Africa they're from America like so many different places so it's it's really cool mm. um so tell me about some of the business ventures and stuff that you've um, done and everything yeah <laughs> okay um so I had a lot of spare time uh you know moving here during mm-hmm. the pandemic the lockdown yeah. not having anything to do um so there was one day I just said you know what I'm just I, I'm just gonna start something mm-hmm. for myself yeah. like I'm gonna start a business so it started off really small where I was just like hmm what do I like yeah. what do I like to do what's something that I'd be passionate about so I started creating like um, a kind of a beauty business where mm-hmm. it's just going to focus on make a makeup. I was just going to focus on a makeup line for like African women. Mm-hmm. So Ooh. like colors, finding colors, like a, a pink shade that yeah. looks good on us, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> um, or like a nude shade. Yeah, I was yeah. just like going to go and, and just like try and perfect these colors and mm-hmm. And so I started working on that and just creating different lip glosses. And it was something that was really fun. Um, and it was just like a, a little test of, of my entrepreneurial skills, I guess, you know. Yeah, <laughs> so from it. from there, you know, I'm just like giving out these lip glosses. And and I realized like, wow, why don't I actually do something mm-hmm. um, interesting yeah. and innovative? And one uh, one part of tech that's that's like um, starting to blow up are I guess one area of tech mm-hmm. is women in tech. Yeah. So we're starting to like join yeah. the whole group <laughs> and things like that. And I was like, huh, what can I do? What can I do to be a part of this movement? You know. Um, and then it just hit me like my um, my my family dog passed away. And I was just like so sad. I was sitting in, I was sitting in my um, uni flat, and I was just like, "Wow, he he was very lonely his whole life. It kind of oh, was kind of messed up how he passed, you yeah. know. Like he was just he he had us, but he didn't have you know a community of animals. And I wonder how. I wish he could have expressed how he felt, and I yeah. wish more animals can express how they feel. But I'm just like why aren't we just solving this issue yeah. for them? Just oh, like okay. a doggy daycare, something <laughs> like that. So yeah, yeah. I came up with this idea to create a, a pet dating app. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and it's not like, of course your pets aren't going to just fall in love with yeah, the next yeah. dog they see or meet. <laughs> it could be but like, uh, who was knows? It 100, one, what was it? 101 Dalmatian? Or, or Lady in the Tramp, you <laughs> yeah. know, something like that. You know, Hopefully, maybe, you know, shoot. <laughs> I love it. 
I love that it's innovating. I love that it's different. I think that, I think we are, the time we are in the world, Mm -hmm. we're able to just be very creative and put things out there and start stuff. And yeah, and then find your tribe of people Mm -hmm. who are like, who are for it. And I think that's, we're like, yeah. And I think a lot of people are actually trying to help each other out right yeah. now they're they're building initiatives that are going to help like your dream is probably someone else's dream as well yeah. like someone else needs your dream so go ahead go for your dream because they need your dream to make yes. theirs happen you know like <laughs> it's so true yeah so um i think that's why i wanted to do this uh this this pet meet mm-hmm. i'm trying to figure out the name right now um but it's just it's a different way of connecting humans as well as pets. Mm-hmm. So I think we find different ways to connect humans all the time, but we yeah. forget that we live amongst animals as well. Yeah. We're not really focused on their well-being. Yeah. <laughs> They're, we're just like have using their energy to help us out, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know. <laughs> Like someone's feeling lonely. They're like, I was just going to buy myself a cat or a dog or something. Yeah, but what about this cat that's sitting at home while you're at work for eight hours? <laughs> that's why I was like, I can't get pat. I, I don't think I'm going to be able to get a pat because I'll just be like, I'd have to look after it. And then like, where would I have the time? So it's like, mm-hmm. you literally have to be yeah. like, I'm ready to take care of this. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to like... <laughs> Yeah, and not saying like, okay, come on, you have to work, but not saying you can't leave your 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 pet at home um alone. I'm just saying it's just when you when you get off work, let's say instead mm-hmm. of going to happy hour, you set up a date for you and your pet oh. to go out with another pet owner, you know? Yeah, I think that would be a hit. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, all the single dog owners. Yeah, and maybe I'll have pictures of of my doggie, Pierre. I'm thinking of of having that. What's that your dog's name? Yeah, Pierre. He was a French poodle. (laughs) A bougie French dog. Yeah, he was bougie. Yeah. (laughs) He had his own purse and dog, like a doggy bag and stuff like that. We had cologne for him. What? Yeah. Okay, he was giving the high life. (laughs) Yeah, man. That's funny. Um, But so good. And okay, so what have you found some of the challenges of starting a business? Because like in terms of fundraising Mm. or just in general, like what would you say was one of the... I mean... I mean, maybe the lack of the lack of women in tech might be the challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, the lack of female investors as well. I think yeah. there, there's not a lot of female venture capitalists out here. So the challenge is going up to guys and oh. telling <laughs> them about stuff that they just really may not be interested in and I just just because it's just like not their niche yeah you know and that's the annoying I think that's so annoying personally mm-hmm. for me in my journey of like fundraising is finding like finding VC firms that are like yeah we're they would say on their website where um sector agnostic which is like any mm-hmm. sector um yes early stage and all this stuff sustainability then Mm -hmm. you approach them and they're like oh we don't do fashion or we don't Mm -hmm. do this and it's kind of just like sector agnostic means (laughs) like what do you mean yeah Mm -hmm. oh a lot of them always like we invest in the person Mm -hmm. but then a lot of times it's based on your finances so it's like Mm -hmm. which one is it are you investing in the person the Mm -hmm. the idea the concept the passion or you just investing on like how much are they going to make you yeah and I think a lot of them mask that on their websites very like Mm. very like yeah the person and the Mm. you know and this and then in reality it's like oh um, I've had companies here have been like um something like we're looking for companies that are gonna reach I think billions or something crazy in a few like five years or something you're just like but what about sustainable businesses that are gonna last like Yes, to come. So it's just, I think, yeah, what do you, what's your, I think it must be tough with fashion because, um, you know, how, how do you explain to this guy that, that Rolex started, you know, from humble beginnings? Rolex started really, really small before it was something that everybody wanted to have on their wrist. Yeah. And it's like, how do you convince? How do you convince these in- investors to believe in that vision, yeah. to believe in your vision? But um, I think, I don't know, adding layers. I think as women, we have to add layers to our to our entrepreneurship. Yeah. We can't just have one thing. We, <laughs> you know, we got to have a whole bunch of things. So this podcast, I feel, is, is, is going to like really, really benefit 
you a lot. Because it's layers. You're adding layers <laughs> to your bosshood. Like, <laughs> I know we need to show um, them how kind of, what is it they say for women? We're always kind of like multitaskers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, like, yeah, and I think the the like old fashioned society of oh women should just be reading books and um you know cooking and, and things like that is still cleaning, kind of yeah. rain cooking and cleaning it's still raining yeah. in men's heads silently they may not say it but yeah yeah and it's so true like um I remember when I started going to business networking events when I was a lot, when I just graduated, when I was kind of just like, I hadn't really started anything, but I was just going because I was like, I love like networking and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember like some of the things you would, guys would joke, like older guys who were like, yeah, they would be like, I am an investor. And the next minute you exchange numbers. And the next minute they're like, yeah, let's speak for a coffee. I know investors. The next minute you're there and it's just like the person's hitting on you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you're not really an investor. You just saw a cute young girl, thought she was naive at an event. And then I've had other things where guys are just like, I'll oh, just marry a rich guy or something. And yep. you're just like, but I can, why is it like, a guy with a startup can get the funding and be successful, but a woman is like, oh, just marry some rich guy and stuff. Yeah. And then the funding gap for women is so low. And then also for black women, I think it's something ridiculous, like 0.34% or something really low. The statistics are so low. And it's just, for me, what I've always kind of felt was like, if women are thriving so much in like, the music industry, for example, Beyonce has won the most Grammys mm. in the world, in the history of like Grammy mm. winners. And then you got people like Serena Williams and mm. what's her sister's name? Uh, Venus. 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 Who are like the best tennis players in the world. So like black women are thriving mm-hmm. in other industries, but then in business, it's like really low. Mm. So you're kind of like, that doesn't add up. Mm-hmm. Like if we're so good in like, it doesn't add up. And I don't think we have the same access to funding. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a huge funding gap in that mm. sense. Yeah. So I think uh, I've heard of a story where there was these two girls, they were sisters. They got, um, a small loan of <laughs> of one point two million uh, dollars, <laughs> small loan um, from their dad. So they went off and they they dated. Uh, they created this uh, pet dating mm-hmm. or similar app to yeah. um, the 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 app that I want to invent. And they just, you can see that they try to uh, build the business and then they just let it, they just let it go. It seems like once it got too hard for them, they just kind of let it go. And I don't think we're given the opportunity, like you said, 0.34% for black women receiving funding. Um, I think if we were given this opportunity, we'll take over and dominate that industry as well. And it's so true. And I think, I don't know if it's because of that lack of funding equality, if you Mm -hmm. want to call it, that makes us to be more resilient and more, I guess, successful when we get the opportunity. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like, do you think it would have made a difference if you got that in the beginning? Or do you think some of the stuff that you've had to, because I know for my business, because it's, for my business, it's always annoying because with fashion, you have to invest. So sometimes I feel like, yes, if I got funding earlier, my brand would be a lot bigger and stronger at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I've also learned so much mm-hmm. during the time of like the struggling phase. Mm-hmm. I've learned to be scrappy. I've learned to be able to do things myself. And like you said, those girls ended up giving up because mm-hmm. they didn't have that resilience. Yep. So I feel sometimes the hardship or the lack of funding actually- It pushes you. Yeah, and yeah. it makes you become a stronger and a better entrepreneur because now it's like, well, I was able to achieve this with no money mm-hmm. and I was able to achieve this by being innovative or collaborating or all of this stuff. It's even like websites, like you have somebody, I w- I've been to networking events and someone's like, I don't know. I was so shocked to this. And I don't know if people spend money like this, but I went to a networking event years ago and the girl was like, yeah, I just launched, I think she was doing like lingerie or something mm. like that. And she said she spent like 40,000 on the website. I what? was shocked. I was like, a website? Like, I don't care. Like, 
I don't like you know when the website is like built from scratch, and I was like, so lingerie Facebook or something. Facebook didn't even cost that much to build. And to be honest, I was so shocked at the event because I was like, I'm using like a website builder, Mm -hmm. and I think I pay like I don't know twenty pound a month, and it allows you to you can buy online and stuff. Mm -hmm. And yes, it's not going to be the best website in the world because it's not built from scratch, but it does. Mm. It, it's it shows the products well it does what it mm-hmm. needs to be done and I was just so shocked because I was like oh my god what I would do with that 40k in mm-hmm. terms of like yeah how I could grow my business and someone's used that on a website and for me it was shocking because I was just like <laughs> I think like in terms of because I know a little bit about SEO mm-hmm. just you know doing writing and yeah. copywriting and things like that I think when people go and buy domains that cost that much it's it's for the presence. It's it's so that when you type in lingerie, they are underneath oh. websites like Google or Facebook. It's for placement. Yeah. You know, so she played she paid to get placed second for yeah, lingerie. Yeah. And things like that. Oh. Yeah. Because that was shocking to mm-hmm. me. Like I still couldn't even because I've like in terms of like speaking of this scrappiness and like mm-hmm. I knew that I couldn't afford to get a website like that paid that much and then I even get emails of people like yeah we can do design your website and I ended up having to do the website myself through a website builder putting the images putting the extra work Mm -hmm. and learning because I was like I don't have that Mm -hmm. 40k to do it but I think it also allowed me to use my graphic design skills that I learned in school and Mm -hmm. like just be resourceful Mm -hmm. so I think there's also there's a benefit and then even with the like negativity and even with the like lack of funding. Mm. But I do think it gets to a stage where we're like, okay, I've done everything. I like, what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've done everything. I, I honestly, the money. with uh, eth- ethnic women or uh, black women, period, I think we're fueled, um, you know, and I'm, I'm kind of getting into like the spiritual thing. We're, we're fueled by our ancestors, the people mm-hmm. who like, you try to get to this position that we were in. That's why we don't give up. I think that's mm. that's where our resilience is coming from. It's coming from like centuries of of other uh, black family members that we've had. You know, like we oh, can't, we just can't. Really you know, nice. like we just can't give up. Really we got to do this. Yeah. <laughs> I love that concept. I've never really thought of it like that, but I'm like, yeah, because mm-hmm. it will it will really open up generational wealth as well. Like if you're able to achieve this, mm-hmm. like, you know, your children, your grandchildren. And I think ultimately that's so important for me with my business. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's why it's so hard navigating like the VC ecosystem. Yeah. Because you're just like, they're kind of just wanting, they just want something that's just going to shoot up in the next five years. Right. Like some, what, what's the Facebook or Instagram? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, but if you look at that compared to like a fashion business, that's, you know, Louis Vuitton has been around for like 200 years. But then Facebook and that, I don't know. Is Facebook 20 yet? I don't think it's been around that long. I don't think Dang, it's, it's almost. It should be pretty old, though. Because yeah. I only started using it in... in. I used it in 2000. I started using it in 2008, and it was older. 2008? Yeah, and oh, it was Oh, I started older. using it in, like, 2012 or something. Really? I think it came out around then. Oh, wait, no. I think I used it before. I think I'm thinking of Instagram. I think I used Facebook a bit, yeah, yeah. maybe around two thousand. I think it yeah, came. Yeah. I think it came out around like two thousand and six, because it was oh, just okay, for yeah. college students at yeah. first. Yeah, so it is. Yeah, it hasn't even like gotten to the twenty year mark. Mm. And then if you look at all the other stuff in the other that are similar to that, MySpace is dead. It's never coming back. Do you remember MySpace? Oh yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah. There was that something else called Bebo or Bebe. I don't know what it was. There, was, there was Blink. Was, I don't, and I, they I all come and died. <laughs> the only one that's still standing is like Facebook and like Instagram is because Facebook bought it. And then yeah. I think TikTok. So oh, it's like LinkedIn, in- Facebook bought LinkedIn. But I remember LinkedIn was going down the drain before Facebook. Yeah. It. yeah. So you're just looking at one kind of mm. successful thing in this industry. Yeah. Like come uh, in, investors would rather invest in like some like, because obviously tech is good, but there's certain things where it's just like, white guy tech company and they're like yes I know and then, I, been, I was yeah. trying I mean I was trying to tell you that but <laughs> but no and and so that's what also probably fuels us as black women 
we have to fight against the stereotype. It's yeah. like, nope, I'm going to try. I'm going to keep going. And because yeah. there's a stereotype, because there's a barrier, I'm going to keep going. You know, yeah. I'm going to try and knock this barrier over, especially me being a teen mom. That was like, mm-hmm. I, I went to my mother after, mm-hmm. you know, I had my son and I was mm-hmm. like, my, you know, I'm really smart. I was, you know, before, uh, before I had him, uh, I had good. A's mm-hmm. and she's like what's stopping you from getting A's now oh, you know she's yeah. like beat the stereotype yeah you put yourself in a statistic now beat the stereotype beat the yeah. statistic and I think that's why I continue to just keep going keep going yeah, keep going keep so going good. um but it's important to just sit back and actually see see where you're going where are your where yeah. is your motivation and your inspiration actually taking you to because yeah. you could just keep achieving things but not really look back you you gotta take some time to to celebrate it you know definitely and i think gratitude makes the achievements and more of a blessing Mm -hmm. like wow like i done that and it's so inspiring and i love that your mom like pushed you and continued yeah i think that's so good like (laughs) having i think it really impacts having a good support system and a good kind of family because i know my family have been a great support Mm. system um, and is that how, like, with your mom? Yeah, said? I mean, I think she was the big inspiration for me. Yeah. She's a, a doctor. She has eight oh, kids. Wow. So, I mean, <laughs> and she, she raised most of those kids by herself, oh, you know. Wow. Um, so, I, she was like, that's why I wanted to give that to my son. Yeah. You know, I wanted him to see, like, wow, you, you can do this. Yeah. Like, if a woman can do it, you can definitely do yeah. it. Because right yeah. now... <laughs> Right now, he's in a phase where it's, uh, school is so hard. It's so hard. I don't want to go to school. Everybody it goes through that where yeah. we, we don't want to go to school. We don't want to be around people we don't like, especially, yeah. oh my God, especially kids, you kids know? the worst. Yeah. <laughs> That's so mean. It's like, awkward. Like, half the things that kids say and do, like, adults would never, never. even dream because it's like, the bullying and the it's like oh my god like and how do you live with yourself as an adult i'm just thinking <laughs> yeah. of like the the kids who bully you know yeah, me or yeah. try to how do they live with themselves knowing that they really bully you know some some kids you know like i always say this the kids that were like bullies and all this uh-huh. in school that was their prime i feel like uh, most of them like are like bums that's, right now yes they are they didn't focus on their school mm-hmm. they didn't go to get the right education the work ethic they didn't have that yep they were just too busy bullying other kids so yep. in a sense it's like that was their prime and now who even knows like I have some people follow on still um, like I'm friends with on Facebook and I'm just like oh <laughs> not to be sick. no seriously and it's just like oh okay school was definitely your prime because mm-hmm. right now it's like we're thriving and we're getting better as we get you older said was your prime and they were like 12 years <laughs> yeah. old like, it's like that's sad because yeah. it's like imagine you were like they were like oh yeah it's so good to bully and so good to be you would say like quote popular mm-hmm. but then it's like Having a, p- a purpose, passion, growing every year, that's more fulfilling because now you can actually have a really good life. Yeah. And that is just such a tiny part of your life. But you know so. what's weird? Uh, one thing my mom used to say to me all the time when I was probably like five, six, going through this bullying situation mm-hmm. with these with these girls. Oh, you won't know them when you get older. You won't know them. But the way life <laughs> Has turned out. I have. I've, I know what people that um that I went to school with at five years old are doing now because of social media. Yeah. But my mom, she didn't have to go through that. Oh, you yeah. get what I'm <laughs> like. Why do I know what my bully is doing today? Like, well, you can't. You know, <laughs> I, I did. I recently. I just. I removed everyone but, from middle school. You know. Like, <laughs> it's good. I see that they're, they're like really oh no I was gonna say it's like that's politically incorrect never mind yeah was, <laughs> but I know what you mean you're like oh yeah, well like, you're, you're the click yeah, you know like, oh, is this what you are you okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, that's funny <laughs> yeah but that's so uh, such an important topic about social media and I think peer pressure must be even 
like, and I'm going to talk about this in a later podcast about mm. um, peer pressure of like just growing up with sickle cell in general. Mm. But this age, what you said about like social media, you can actually see pe- what people are doing on their daily life from yeah. like stories mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Whereas before, nobody knew. So it didn't really, you never had that FOMO. The FOMO is so real in this age of social media. Mm-hmm. And I think it can be, it can be motivating sometimes, but then sometimes it's like, there's that pressure of like, oh my God, like, I don't know, no, it's not really a pressure. Like a lot of times on social media, I see it motivates me, mm-hmm. but I do get some other people, it can be like, oh my God, like this person's doing this or this, mm-hmm. on, especially on a daily basis. Yeah. We didn't have that before. It was more no. like someone will post something on Facebook or status, but not really like a glimpse into their life. Yeah. Um. Actually, I think... Just staying connected with some people from the past is important because one of my high school friends, he kept it a, a secret that he had sickle cell. Oh. And we didn't know he had sickle cell until oh he gosh. posted a picture of him in the hospital and was just like, pray, pray for me. Oh, my God. And I think that's that was like my first um, actual experience. Yeah. seeing like the impact wow. that sickle cell can yeah. have on an individual and I'm kind of like getting all teary eyed yeah. because I've never yeah. I would have never thought to see him in that position and it was it was really like you kind of remember you remember like wow you're so lively and then to see him in that that like position where he was just so vulnerable and we didn't know. Yeah. That's, that's strength. Yeah. Like we didn't, we had no idea. And he's the only reason we know now is because he decided to share yeah. that he had it. It's so, so true. It's so yeah. important because they sometimes call it like an invisible illness. Yeah. And I've had um so many times where work internship where people never understood. They don't know what it was. And then they will see me every day. Like I'd always been heels. I'd always been dressed up glamorous. And they'll be mm-hmm. like, you look fine. Or you, they would know. Because it, it, I think, and I talked about this earlier with another, um, we call ourselves warriors. Mm. <laughs> and um, like how... People, when you have like, when people think of disabled or disability, they think wheelchair or crutches, or there's like an image that's kind of like a stereotype. So when you don't fit that, people will never know. Mm. And that's one of the main reasons why I started the Gideon Treasure Foundation and wanted to do this podcast was to spread more awareness because I felt like, okay, I have a grown platform. And then if I don't share, because I, I never really take pictures when I'm in hospital or anything I just like my phone is nowhere to be seen like I'm just like I just need to recover I need to be by myself I don't want to check social media so I never take pictures but I think the people that do it's so important because like like you said like it opened your eyes yeah something that you you just wasn't aware of yeah I I I mean I know like because of of the trait that yeah that sickle cell is very important you know to to understand like the impact it has on the body But actually physically seeing what it can do to someone that you really care about was, like, important. Yeah. Because I don't think people really understand how, like, strong you are and and this individual is. He kept it a secret. Yeah. He was living life fully. He was always so kind. He's still, you know, he's still kind. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to just, like, just make people aware that this is something that's impacting people that you love that yeah. you, and, and they may know and they're afraid to tell you. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's uh, sometimes it's like, you just feel like I've started to try and tell people I know just because I've had incidents where I've had crisis in front of friends mm. and they've been completely shocked. Cause they were like, you know, you look they fine didn't know. or like yeah. you, they didn't know. So I try to tell people, but sometimes when you're just used to going about your life, doing your thing, yeah. and you're kind of like, it doesn't define who I am. So I no. don't have to tell people, yeah. but then not sharing. Sometimes it could be bad for your health if you end up just getting mm-hmm. randomly sick. And then also for the people around you. So they're kind of equipped to wear, kind of know a little bit. And then also like, so they don't think, I know this is so trivial. So they don't think you're a flop. <laughs> Do you know what, like, you know, like, like so many times I had to cancel on friends or like, I can't make it. And I like, especially if you weren't 
you didn't tell them beforehand they might just think you're like this girl that they invite and she never comes out Mm -hmm. so now like having like having a car is like so important because yeah. I get to like go out and be more sociable because I have that like at least I can drive close yeah oh my god speaking of this I met with an investor a few months ago I think it was the end of last year or something and um I was late so it was in Soho area and mm. so from here it's, it's even like a I think you can walk there. It's not far. But then I think the drive is only meant to be 15 minutes. But I was like, you know, I'm going to take, it's still kind of wintry. I'm going to take my car. And I left early. Like the appointment was like, I think at two, I left at one, Mm -hmm. but I went the Holborn way and Holborn has a lot of traffic. Mm -hmm. So I was just stuck in traffic. I ended up being late and I was so like, you know, when you're just so angry because you're like, I left on time yeah, and I could have, I can actually walk there. So it was really irritating, but I was like, (laughs) I got there and I was wearing one of my, um, Dumabai jacket, so like a red jacket. Yeah. And so I, I looked glam because I was dressed and I was wearing Dumabai. And I remember the guy was like, and I was like telling him I was outside because he called me because he was getting a bit annoyed. And I, and I, when I met him outside, I was like, oh, I was just parking the car. It's hard to find parking here. And he's like, you took the car. Oh my God, you're so spoiled. And in my mind, I just laughed it off because he was an investor and I was late. But in my mind, I was like, you actually have no idea why I had to take yeah, the car. You, like you right. actually have no, you just see a girl who's glam and uh, that she's late and she has a, she drove here that she's like spoiled. And it's just like that kind of stereotype of, or just like never really getting understood unless you actually tell people like, oh, I actually have a health condition. But at that moment, I couldn't even bother to explain to him. I just mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, when you just laugh it off and you're just like, oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Just a thing. But it kind of, after I thought about it, and I was yeah, like, kind of like to be called spoiled when it's like, I actually need the car. That's <laughs> like, not nice. Imagine you were a guy. He wouldn't have said that. Yeah. Oh my God. You know? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's just certain words they say to investors say to us to like downplay yeah. the fact that we're, we're founders. Yeah. So when we come to them, we, we, we speak to them about our businesses. They're like, Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. Why are yeah, you I telling want- me <laughs> the way I want to make a living is it's cute? cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would never say that to a man. He would be yeah, offended. Yeah. He would be offended. <laughs> It's so true. Like this guy is coming to you talking about his new battery or whatever, this power battery, and you're like, yeah. oh, that's, "That's cute." cute. That you would never. Cute. They would. They would never. It's so true. There is definitely like the when it's when dealing with like women or like mm-hmm. anything. It's, it's a lot of sexism like, yeah. going on. Yeah, definitely. And then you and it just opens your eyes to like you never know like what somebody's really going. Yeah, you know, and then also, you never know how someone was raised. Like in America, having a car, that's a big accomplishment. Mm -hmm. There's people who watch their their moms take them to school in in three, four, five, six feet of snow. And they said, I'm never going to I don't want to be that person. So they they get a car. It's a big accomplishment to some people. And I I don't know. I don't think that was something he should have said, you know, (laughs) But it's been great. I've got one more question for you, which I'm going to try and. Um, so, tell to me. We spoke a bit about your writing and mm. how thing. Mm-hmm. So, what uh, are you working on? Any exciting projects? What are your future goals? Um. So right now, I guess the most exciting project I have right now, um, as far as writing, is this client, this law firm. So I'm doing like copywriting, social media management for this law firm. And the only reason it's exciting is because of my my master's degree in Mm -hmm. international law. So it's like, you know, getting a little taste of of what marketing would be mm-hmm. at a law firm and things like that. So That's I think really it's, cool. it's really fun. Yeah. Um, but the most exciting thing about writing is things can change. So mm-hmm. like facts, facts can change. So yeah. let's, especially when it comes to entertainment. Mm-hmm. So let's say this, this, this latest article I wrote was about Demi Moore and mm-hmm. Bruce Willis. So Demi Moore supposedly moved in with Bruce Willis. Didn't be- they used to be married? Yes, oh, exactly. Yeah. So he's married to a, another woman, but he has dementia. Oh. So she supposedly moved in. Because you can only remember her? Uh, I didn't who know knows? he had dementia. Oh my God. Who knows why? Yeah. 
you know, yeah. this this rumor came about, but I just found out on the way here that it was just a rumor. And I'm like, how? I scoured the internet for uh, several so sources yeah. that said it was facts. And so, like, oh. yeah. So on the way here, it was like, oh, don't worry, because I thought it was facts, too. Yeah. But as a writer, we just really need to, like double down and, and yeah. fact check and things like that because I guess Bruce Willis's wife is tired of hearing about this rumor like about yeah. another woman moving in with her and her husband you know yeah, especially like, his yeah. ex-wife she's probably like stop like, <laughs> like <laughs> does he really have dementia yes oh, but wow. he, he really does have dementia and I guess he's raising a, awareness about it right yeah. now that's the only thing that he has done was just tell people oh, about it. So is. anything else is... And someone just jumped on it and then made up a rumor. Well, it, it might yeah. actually be true. And oh, then they're they hiding changed. It. Yeah. yeah. She left. Yeah. <laughs> she moved out. Yeah, like, this is getting weird. Yeah. <laughs> Especially with Hollywood reporters outside. I was like, Demi, Demi, you know, like... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> She's like, um, I was never living here. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the this. interesting yeah. thing about like, you know, writing things mm-hmm. can change just overnight. Yeah. Um. Oh. Oh. And then my uh my gaming articles. A lot of people don't know that I game. So it. <laughs> <laughs> so it, there's a lot of sexism in gaming, though. I'm just gonna like before we leave yeah, leave this yeah. podcast, I'm gonna say that. Yeah. Put it out there. So. <laughs> So I'm writing this article about Assassin's Creed and uh, Red Dead Redemption. It's a very, it's a dude game. These are okay. dude franchises. Because I was like, like what did you just say? Yeah. <laughs> which, which is something I'll never do again. I'll never choose a game like mm-hmm. Fortnite or Halo. You know, those super popular uh, Call of Duty. Oh, I would, yeah, I would never write about those yeah. ever again because there's guys who study this all day they this is their life like they're <laughs> they're call of duty like just heroes and warriors so yeah any little detail that you may leave out or any little detail you may get wrong you are now unqualified to, oh to like write about call of duty and i feel like they're aggressive you know? like the gamers because they're always just online yes they're like ready to <laughs> and they love reading so they want to read a four thousand word oh article gosh. yeah <laughs> about just the game wow <laughs> so yeah i mean it's fun like I, i'm actually mentoring a little girl right now um oh, yeah cute. so <laughs> is she a gamer oh no oh. she's just she's more interested in the copywriting side so yeah so i got connected to this little girl she's in high school mm-hmm. um and we were originally connected because she is trying to expire to become a lawyer. Yeah. So they wanted to connect to me with her oh, and things so like that. But she was so interested in the copywriting aspect because she's I guess it, it is something that you only see on movies. You don't really meet yeah. many journalists in person. Oh, yes. True. So she was you like, don't, yes. Yeah. So she's like, how you do? How did you yeah. do this? I was like, oh, you, you definitely met the right person, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't. I, and that's why I want to like find a way for more women, like maybe create some sort of foundation where where there's there's a space for women who want to do odd careers or careers mm. that are normally out of reach. Yeah. So definitely. I want to kind of give them a platform one day. Yeah. Um, to to oh, have access incredible. to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love that. And I love everything you're doing. I think you're an inspiration, your journey, everything. Oh. And I I can definitely see like so much more success and incredible stuff in your future and I'm sure your son is already proud oh thanks so much no thanks I really appreciate I guess just being on this platform and just you know meeting you it's been like it's been it's been a highlight you know like (laughs) it's been a highlight of London meeting you because yeah I haven't really met many like boss females yet mm-hmm. so just meeting you and your sister has been great for me yeah. so far yeah same for us and thank you for being so honest and open i love the discussions we hit some 
topics. Yeah, we did, didn't we? <laughs> and uh, but thank you so much. Please uh, tell everyone um, how we can follow you, some of the platforms that you've written on, your mm-hmm. social media and everything. Okay, so you can find me on Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> At Khadija J, uh, and that's spelled K-H-A-D-I-J-A-H and then J-A-Y. I also write on uh, The King Gamer. I write for The King Gamer. I write for The Motley Fool. I write for The Things. It's actually spelled The Things. Um, (laughs) And then uh, I just do social media management. So just... Uh, anything that you want to find me in, just type Khadija J. Just mm-hmm. type in Khadija J on Google. You should find everything. Um, and and that's about it for me. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to put the, all of that in the description so okay. you'll be able to get it. Oh. But thank you so much. Please. It's been amazing. <laughs> and thank you guys for listening. And make sure to subscribe to the Slippery with Sickle Soul podcast to hear more incredible people like Khadija J share her story. And um, if you would like to... Um, join the podcast as a guest you can email me at barbara at gideonstreasure.org.uk love you god bless thank you so much for listening to today's sliving with sickle soul episode please subscribe and like our instagram pages and give us a five star rating on your Um, favorite podcast platform um, if you enjoyed um, this episode and all the content that we have been sharing if you have a question or if you would like to be a guest speaker and share your story please send me an email details in the episode description love you god bless let me hear you